And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, hello and welcome to the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Standick here. Uh, fun episode today. I talked to Jay Gruden uh, this week. Well, I'll share that uh, conversation in a minute about what his thoughts on the, the last game, this quarterback situation, and a whole bunch uh, more from him. But of course, uh, right now joining me here is the great, the talented Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Michael, we've had a a fun day today here in the locker room. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, I don't even think we can say exactly everything that's been going on, but it was a, a fun day in the locker room, which I think on some level leads to like how this team's feeling about themselves. I think everybody's feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I think the rest of the media room appreciates me being in here doing the podcast. Gives them uh, you know an opportunity to stay out of trouble for a few minutes. So um, no, it's 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 a loose team right now. They they feel ready to go. They understand that the perception is this will be a letdown game or a trap game, um, and, and they do seem determined to avoid that. I will say it's been two practices inside the bubble this week, so no full on-field practice. I don't know if that means anything. I guess we'll find out uh, Friday, um, you know, tomorrow uh, here as we say this, what you know, whether they'll be on the field, whether they'll do anything. I don't love the idea of going through a whole work week with no real practices, quote-unquote, um, but if there's a week to do it, it might be this. It, it might be this week. So, yeah, so they're playing in Houston on Sunday. Michael and I will be there, of course. Follow us on Twitter for all that. Uh, I'm at Ben Standick. He is Michael PRTD. And read him at the Richmond Times Dispatch and go to The Athletic for me and all that fun stuff. Um, so it is windy. It is cold. Now, obviously, one could say, well, it's football weather. What are you talking about? This game, though, is in indoors. Yep, so I guess to an extent... It doesn't mean as much to play outside, knowing that the conditions are going to be perfect. So I guess you could justify that. I, I uh, the, the the turf. You know, there's obviously this ongoing conversation right now around the league about turf versus grass. The grass, the turf is turf. I can't talk today. The turf is is less forgiving. Yeah. Um, you know, we heard last week they wouldn't let Chase Young practice because mm-hmm. of that situation. So, who you know, we need a. Uh, some sort of medical person or, or or maybe an athlete, a former a football player, to tell us w- about all that. Um, and, and yet you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, you know you're from the you're from the Midwest, like you you know you're, you're, you're yeah you're very very hardy indeed. <laughs> um, so so look, I mean, every week, and we talk about the roller coaster with whichever quarterback isn't there, it's a ride. This team, though, it's been it's been a ride for for three years, and I know that this is the NFL. It's it's a week to week league, and parity reigns and this team even though it's it's very rarely a straight line it is the epitome of a team that's like one week boy i don't know they're looking pretty good the next week like oh man can we just move on to the next season let's talk about the the mock drafts Mm -hmm. and move on where are you at right now on the scale of are you buying momentum or are you still questioning where this is going yeah there's real momentum in the next two weeks are golden opportunities here against houston and atlanta i mean how many quarterbacks beat an undefeated team on Monday Night Football, and yet you say that the next week's game is a referendum on their job? So here we are with Taylor Heineke. I think if he loses in Houston, Ron will use that as an excuse to go back to Carson Wentz. So, uh, you know, that's 
that's what it is. That stinks for, for Heineke, but I, I think he's uh, very good at handling these situations, and, and he's certainly said all the right things this week. And, um, you know, I, I don't doubt that he'll he'll put his best foot forward. This is a team that should beat the Texans. This is a team that could absolutely lose to the Texans. We've seen that many times. Um, but if, if they want to talk about themselves as credible playoff contenders, I think if they win the next two, they absolutely are. I mean, my standard line has been... This isn't, you know, acquiring Carson Wentz was not just a one-year bit. Um, I was on the radio today, and somebody was questioning me about that, saying, well, if they really viewed him as a longer-term play, they would have done something with his contract because there's no guaranteed money left. And I'm like, eh, they were had the upper hand here. Carson Wentz was in no position to renegotiate anything, and why should they have to do anything else? Uh, I mean, you know, they shouldn't have necessarily taken on the full money anyway, but that's a separate topic. Yep. Um, but they, but the goal is to get to something not just for one year, but for multiple years. They don't want to have to go through this again. And I think the reality is, if Taylor Heineke is the starter the rest of the way, unless they have some insane run, they're still going to be looking for a quarterback. Even if they have an insane run, you're still looking for a quarterback. That that is what it is. But sure. but but the thing is, no, now you're too far. The season's too far along. We're past the halfway point. They're five and five. They're right there in the wild card mix. There's no, the future is irrelevant in the for now unless. They do somehow blow it to Houston and Atlanta, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, this really isn't going anywhere. Um, whether there is momentum in terms of really contending, I will just say this. The last two games, they played the, arguably the two best teams in the conference based on record, and yet and they had a 10-point lead on the Vikings yeah. in the fourth quarter and just beat Philly yeah. on Monday night. Now, none of that means that will happen if they meet in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but it's to say the NFC is down. Yes. And unless Tampa Bay or Green Bay go back to where people expected them to be, you know, the Rams are toast. Um, you know, Dallas is, is obviously good. But there's, it's open. Yeah. So I, I, I buy it from the, the momentum from the standpoint of this is a down year and maybe why not them. I still am questioning the offense. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. But um, I buy that there's something here that, and therefore I'm going to stop talking about the future and focus more on, okay, sure. Like you said, these next two games, they win. They're right there. Honestly, I think the ownership change or impending ownership potential change rumors um, play into this really nicely though, because we can just appreciate this year for what it is, which is not a march towards anything in the future. Like, I mean, I like Ryan Rivera. He was the right guy for this situation. Um, I think we all see, though, that a new owner would almost certainly install his own coach. You know, maybe Ryan gets a year, but it's hard to imagine a new owner not putting his stamp on the team. That's what they do. That's why they pay a billion dollars for it. Um, or seven. Or seven, or six and a half, or whatever <laughs> it goes for. Um, so that, that almost frees you up that, you know, any future you build towards is a tenuous future anyway. Um, after this season, if all that goes down, and again, we don't know if all that's going down, and if Dan Snyder continues owning the team, everybody's just going to be mad anyway, so <laughs> what does any of it matter? Um, with, with regard, though, to, I think we all agree Taylor's not the long-term guy who takes you to a Super Bowl, and that's fine. Um, is anybody still hanging on the illusion that that guy might be Carson? Because I... I don't think anybody is at this point. Do you want to? Do you want to make a case for that? I don't want to make I, a. I don't. I don't want to make a case that he is, but as a side by side comparison, there's at least ten percent chance. Like, like yeah. if, if if Rivera is accurate when he continued to say that it takes time to learn the playbook, he kept citing Tom Brady's yeah. first year in Tampa. If there's validity to that, yeah. then maybe. 
because at least with Carson Wentz with the arm strength and all that. But then you look in, you know, they have been far more efficient, you know, play to play, series to series with with Heineke, um, and you know he just understands the system better. And at this point in the year, again, we're too far down the line just to go back to well, we traded for Wentz, we need to see where we're at. Uh, you know, and also there's the locker room component. This is not yeah. about a negative towards Wentz. It's no, just no. positive towards there's something about Taylor Heineke that, that people just get jacked for. There's something about that. Dude. And, with, you know, as you do the plan for the future storyline, there's a point where we want to see Sam Howell this year. That point is not now, I don't think, because there's so many games left that you, you worry about him struggling and needing to be benched, which would be very, very bad for him. Uh, but I think there's there's a legitimate point with two or three games left where you say, depending on the situation at the time, of course, is it time to see Sam Howell give him a couple of games, give him that experience going into the offseason? I think that could be productive for everybody because Sam Howell's the mystery box right now. You talk about guys who could be the guy. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a mystery right now. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Ron does not speak glowingly of him when Ron speaks of him these days. Um, Ron's not said anything that leads me to believe he thinks Sam Howell is, is ready to jump in and dominate at this level. Um, but I, I think he has to enter the chat if you're talking future as well, acknowledging that it's the present, it's two winnable games, these two winnable games have put you in the playoff chase, that's what Ron needs. Heineke's absolutely the best choice for those games. And I tweeted about this earlier today, and, and to me, like, we can, when we debate the Heineke versus Wentz aspect, we're focusing on them as individuals. But if you step back and look at what they're doing for this team, to me, the most compelling argument for either one of them is what, uh, Next Gen Stats tweeted out today, and that is Terry McLaurin in this last game was targeted a season high 38% of, of the routes uh, against the Eagles. He's been targeted at a high rate in four straight games since Heineke took over, and the target rate for McLaurin by quarterback 30% for Heineke, 16% from Wentz. The, we all talk about quarterbacks as if they are the only thing that matters. They are not. And in this case, the best player on offense is McLaurin, and if one guy is maximizing him, you know, again, maybe t- Carson Wentz would have gotten there, but he didn't. And uh, when he was playing, and Heineke is, we saw it last year as well. So I just think from that perspective alone, if you're getting more out of Terry McLaurin, that's a good thing. So that that to me is as compelling of a reason to go with Heineke um, as anything else. Um, in terms of the game, I, you know, I know, uh, you know, like me, you're you're a student of the film, and no, you know, no, you've grinder. <laughs> broken it all, broken all down. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 this one doesn't feel that complicated beyond not looking past the opponent. Houston has a really good running back in Damian Pierce. He had run for over 100 yards against Philly the week before Washington faced them, but the Commanders are very good against the run, second in yeah. DVO, DVOA against the run. You know, if you can limit that, put the or ball in Davis Mills. Great matchup for these guys, no question. Right, so this is, you know, outside of their own mistakes, just don't let Davis Mills beat you, and you should be in good position. Oh, this is, I mean, this is everything you want to tee up in a matchup against a bad team. Not only are you playing a bad team, but their strengths are your strengths from, from the opposite way, from the defensive perspective. Um, that's why there will be so much hand-wringing if they don't win on Sunday. Uh, there's the short week, there's complications, there's, they didn't have a full practice. There's all those things. But at the end of the day, when you get a matchup this juicy in the NFL and you consider yourself a playoff team, you go ahead and win this. Uh, obviously, Commanders-Texans, you know, it's about as sexy as matchup oh. as you could get. We didn't get flexed, though. What's up with that? I, You know, I don't know. Somebody's <laughs> sleeping. But to add some more sex appeal to this, forget offense-defense. This is about special teams. According Based on DVOA, DVOA, Washington is second in the entire league in DVOA. Is Houston one? Four. Oh, so so wow. this so 
you know, from that perspective, Ooh. it's uh, Ooh, let's go. If, if if this really is a you know one third of the game, yeah. you know, keep keep an eye on Houston. Did you hear the Tressway mic'd up yesterday, dude? He's so good. It was I, I couldn't believe I would if you had said to me, hey. There's going to be a 14-minute mic'd up for anybody. <laughs> yes. Are you watching? I'm like, nah, I'm not making it through all that. I did on this one. Traditional mic'd up is two minutes, of which a minute 30 is grunting. Yeah. Like. Right. You just hear the pads. <laughs> hear the pads going. And it's so funny. He barely played. He, he didn't. His first on-the-books punt wasn't until the fourth quarter, I believe. Yeah. yeah. No, and watching him, like, take the hit and then, like, you know, fetch about it, which, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, as he's talking to all the other players. Yeah, it was. it's an amazing uh, listen. You should go absolutely watch. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about a guy who's not on the roster, who's not active yet, and that's Chase Young. Uh, I know that Adam Schefter put out a report this week saying that they're going to activate him and make him active. I'm going to say he won't play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. Uh, where I guess so. I guess just where are you on that? And if it, depending, I guess your answer. What's your sense of where things stand with him? Yeah, and remember, they don't have to activate him this week. They can do it early next week without having to shelve him for the season. And he will get activated one way or the other. The question is, when does he play? Basically, we both, we both agree on that, that that they will not shelve him for the season, um, even if just from a PR perspective, they're absolutely not going to do that. Uh, it's listen to Jack Del Rio talk about him. You're 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 not. Filled with hope and optimism uh, for for Chase's future success here this season, Jack has, has very consistently, you know, hey, let, let's pump the brakes on this thing. Whenever we see Chase Young, we're not seeing the defensive rookie of the year. We're seeing a guy who's rehabbing uh, from a serious injury and is entering month thirteen of that rehab. That's you know, we get those are the facts of the situation. Um, this this dude probably needs the rest of the season, but I, I don't think he's going to take the rest of the season. I agree with you. He probably doesn't play Sunday. Maybe we see him in a token like four to eight snaps roll just to get him moving a little bit. And you mentioned the turf. Houston plays on turf. I don't know if that's a factor or not, but if you don't play him this week, you can bring him back at home the next week against Atlanta uh, for whatever. You know, not that they need juice. Uh, you know, game against the Falcons, that, you know, that, that brings people out to land over, but maybe add a, a little additional juice if it's a Chase Young recovery game. Chase Young return. Dude, we've had some fun juice. Okay, Kirk Cousins last week. The game in Philly, just Philly by itself, but then you had RG3 and Alex Smith in the ESPN uh, booth mm-hmm. on a pregame. Yeah. This week, okay, it's only Kyle Allen, but, like, it's something. Next week, Kyle Smith and Arthur Smith, the son of the former uh, minority partner Fred Smith, are on the other team. Uh, so so there's that aspect yeah. of it. So, yeah, we, we, we've had some... Oh, the minority partner angle. <laughs> yes, there we go. That, now we're talking. Um. Here's my thing on, on the Chase Young thing, right? I mean, if you want to have any – if you want to say that this team is going – has a chance to be interesting in the playoffs, it's because of the defense. We can talk yeah. all we want about oh, the yeah. quarterbacks, but it's about sure. the defense. Chase Young has not been part of this, obviously, this year. They are currently uh, number two in rush DVOA, according to uh, Football Outsiders. Hold on, I'm trying to pull up the stats here. Two in that, they're 20th against the pass, but overall – they're 13th, and they're they're clearly ascending. We Okay, so we've been talking about who should start a quarterback. Let me ask you this. Let's just say Chase Young is even ready to go this week, next week, whatever. Should he start or should you start James Williams? Because I would say I'm not messing with what's working. You absolutely don't mess with what's working. Yeah, You bring Chase in off the sideline for selected series here and there. Look, 
Chase Young is not going to dominate. I, I mean, it's, you know, that that's the reality of the situation. That's what people, I think, need to understand and, and make sure that they're they're keeping an eye on here as he comes back. Like, don't expect that. Um, to me, the fascinating conversation is the fifth-year option. I think I put on Twitter the other day, Ben, I think you have to pick up his fifth-year option. So this is year three for him. Next year's year four, still in the rookie contract. But at the end of year three, you declare if you want to pick up the fifth-year option, which is probably going to be a big chunk of change, maybe $20 million contract. I think you have to do it. Um, fans disagree with me. I don't know. People get emotional in the moment when things are going well or not well. Your thoughts? I, th- I think you, you you do it if for no other reason. You give yourself options, and you know it would lead to more drama. I think the question will be, you know, Duran Payne slash Montez Sweat, yeah. because you know we, we talk so much about Payne, but Montez Sweat will be in the Duran Payne seat yep. next year. Are you going to yep. let him play the fifth year? Yep. Um, or, or not. He's playing pretty well. Jack Del Rio today said he thought Sweat's been playing as well as basically any defensive end in the league. And, yep. you know, uh, I believe he still leads the league in quarterback hits. The sacks are coming, but, you know, whatever. But collectively, the defense has played um, super well. So, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting uh, for sure. We don't have to get into the who they should keep debate. We've done that enough here. We'll, uh, we'll be doing that a lot this offseason. They're going to be making that decision with imperfect information, too. Right. I, to me, that's the most interesting part is, like, yeah. how, what what version of Chase Young are they looking at and then how do they project him yeah. going forward? Um, let's talk about some off-the-field stuff, but not bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are the king of the betting circuit here. Yes, sir. It was t- announced today that Maryland, it's only taken, look, you know, it's only it's only taken a minute for this to get done. I, I think Virginia, I think Virginia. I don't think was was Yunkin even governor by the time Virginia got this thing done. Exactly. Right. So Maryland is, now has basically legalized sports betting. Starts Wednesday. Yep. Um, they will have it eventually at FedEx Field. It sounds like it won't be ready for week one for the the, the first game. You'll be back. able to use your phone there though, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so t- just give, give me that lay of the land. Like, what, what what does that mean? I mean, is it just as simple as that? Like, everybody can, you can do all your yep. DraftKings, FanDuel, yep. whatever else. Right, right from your seat at FedEx Field or, or anywhere in Maryland. Yeah, they'll, they'll launch Wednesday. And uh, all the all the name brands are, are in in Maryland, of course, as you'd expect. So, you know, if, if you've heard of them, they're going to be offering service in Maryland. It's a lucrative market, of course, with half of D.C. and, and, and Baltimore and, and certainly, you know, on out. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big state. A lot of people live in it. Um, every, everybody's in. Everybody wants in on this. Um, they took way too long. Everybody sees that. But they did it correctly. This is not a gambit situation uh, that, that DC ran into. Right. They did it right. It'll be a good service. I think people will be excited. I haven't even noticed or looked. Wh- uh, maybe I'm, I don't know. Where is it in the actual stadium? Like wh- when they actually have the book, where is it? I don't think they start construction. So my understanding is... Uh, NFL rule is you can't build in the stadium. You have to build in the parking lot. And I think they're hoping that rule gets changed. Because right now you'd be looking at them like putting up a tent in the green lot. Like, I think they'd rather build in the stadium. Uh, so I think I, I don't think it'll happen this year because I think they're hoping for a rule tweak on that in the offseason. So when it was reported today, and I I tweeted, mm-hmm. quote tweeted, when it says the commanders won't be ready next week, what does that mean then if there's no physical space? They won't be taking any bets right. under their license. Yeah, so so um, it's not really the next week. It's like who knows when this could be, cor- get done. Correct. Yeah, they're not racing against any sort of deadline here. I I don't think they're they're close to playing switch now. The other leg of it is um, Fanatics, the the merchandising company, is going to run the sports betting operation there. Fanatics at some point also wants to launch a mobile app for betting. 
Um, when they do that, they will be eligible to offer that in Maryland. That also will not be ready Wednesday. That also is not – there's no date on the board as of yet, so don't don't get your upset. The Fanatics guy, who seems like he's got a lot of attention the last couple of years. Very much Fanatics so. feels like I, I was sort of just was like, oh, it's a – yeah, sports apparel kind of thing. And all of a sudden, it's become this huge player in sports. Very much so. This guy was Michael Rubin. Yeah. Apparently, he's like you know wine and dining kind of a guy. He's yeah. with all he hobnobs, everybody famous. He was just a, like a, you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just hang out with Matt Paris. That's that's, <laughs> that's about the same. Um, he uh, he was a part owner for the for the 76ers. He then dr- uh, sold that because uh, basically he was conflicts with fanatics. I don't know if I've seen his name listed, but if they have a deal here with this team to do that, is there, you know, because I want to talk about the ownership situation next. Is it, is he potentially, have you heard anything about him being one of the names? I think, yeah. I, I would think, think so, right? I, I think he'll be in the mix as well. It's, it's a fascinating part. I, I thought the Post story did a, did a kind of a decent job of framing of, like, it's Bezos and then a lot of other people who I think would, it would be a very competitive race between. Like, and so we're almost all just kind of waiting to hear, like, is it Bezos? Um, will Dan sell to him? Does he want it? Because um, it's not competitive. Like, the number of people Bezos would be competitive with is, like... Elon Musk. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the Walmart guy's already got a team. So, you know, they there you go. How about the Wahlberg guys? The Wahlberg guy. So, it's almost like... Nobody really wants to, like, and me included here, I'll, I'll just say in the first person, I don't want to put in this legwork to, like, handicap this 17-way battle of who's going to buy the commanders if the obvious guy is just going to do it. Right. And I think that's the thing. Like, we mentioned before, you know, $6 billion, $7 billion. Let's just say those numbers are accurate. I mean, the Broncos went for just under 5 Right. So I think if it's Bezos, it's 7 plus, And if it's somebody else, it's 6 plus. Right. That's the, like, we're like, ah, oh, it's a billion dollars. It's a friggin' billion dollars. Right. It's that, a lot of money. That's the thing. It's it's basically the Bezos tax. If it's if it's basically even, yeah. and we just assume Dan Snyder will be petty here, that he's not going to sell it to him. And I have maintained as well. Maybe I'm wrong. I have not talked to people about this, like Jerry Jones. But if you're like Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft, I don't know you want the richest guy in the world coming in because once he does, he sucks out all the oxygen and now you are just another owner to an extent versus pick any of these other names. Nobody else is going to be that level of of cash. Even if it's a Jay-Z or Matthew McConaughey in somebody's partnership group, they're the, you know, the the, the guys who own like one, two, three percent, not the face of the thing. So. I think the Bezos tax is real. The question is, does he, would he want to pay it? And that's what yeah. we'll have to find out um, for for sure. Um, just to catch up, I guess, on that, there hasn't been a ton of news about this, but I, I'm still going with the assumption that Dan Snyder will sell. He has yet to he, – he, they put out the various statements about various things and various pushback. There's been none regarding this. So it does feel like we're heading in that direction. Any reason for you to have – Change your mind on that? Just, I assume you're just, the same. Just nodding my head over here. Yep. You just keep being, being correct. I'll, I'll just sit here nodding along. Yeah, I, I think that's where it ends. I, I think the timeline's the question, whether whether it happens in time for this year's league meeting or we have a lame duck season. Um, but I, I do think it happens. Yeah. Um, anything else compelling for you out of this week? I mean, it's fun. I, you know, one thing that drives me crazy is all the, the yahoos on Twitter or elsewhere who think that we want to constantly, as in the media, want to constantly harp on the negative. I swear to you. I couldn't couldn't swear more. We don't want that. We're, we're all tired of all this extra stuff. Uh, you know, the, the reason, you know even, even this week there was some extra stuff, right? Because now that it's official that the Republicans are going to take over Congress, 
for the next cycle. That means the GOP will be running the Oversight Committee, and we already knew that they're going to end the Snyder investigation, and they've made that official again this week. So even even on a week where I'm saying nothing's happening, we still actually did have something happening on 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 this front. Uh, but is there? I don't know. I mean, do you think? Well, how long do you think we'll be able to go? Just focusing on football <laughs> until there's another shoe that's going to drop. It's not long. It's never long. With with the Democrats losing power, they have to put out the Snyder transcript, the Bruce Allen transcript, and any closing findings they have by January, whatever that day is. I yeah, mean, yeah we, I'm not you, in. I have to know that date. Need a high school kid do or tell me what what the date of these things are? Probably number one on my things to watch for chart. Feel, feels like that may be more or less more imminent than the others. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, look, um, always appreciate the insight and, and, and the bits. I, I mentioned Mark Wahlberg before. I'll just say keep an eye on him this week as well in relation to this team. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, Michael, appreciate it. Um, all right. Here is uh, – now we'll go to my conversation with Jay Gruden. We spoke on Wednesday, got his feel for this game. What is it about Taylor Heineke that just seems to work? and how Washington kind of fits in with um, with the NFC right now. Let's do that right now on the Standard Room Only podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's welcome back our uh, returning champion, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden here for his weekly uh, spin in the Standing Room Only uh, podcast. Jay, thank you as always for the time. I was just congratulating you on being very smart and being in Florida right now, as opposed to uh, here where the temperature went into the, I don't know, thirties, forties, not happy. Uh, this is not, this is not what I signed up for in life, but I guess this is where I'm stuck. This is why I don't get why, why, why do you just live in Florida? Like all the time, or at least not in the summer. Yeah. I mean, I, I still like it up in Virginia. I love uh, where I play golf at the people uh, that I've met. My son and my two grandkids are up there. My other son's up there. So, Two of my three kids are up there. One of them is down here, so I go half-half. 
yeah i mean look if you have options you have options there's nothing wrong with that but when yeah when, when, when it's getting cold it's no fun but i guess like for a football coach like the cold is what it is i mean unless you happen to be even if you're coaching you know uh in los angeles or miami you have to travel to play in some place in november J- december january or whatever so i guess it's just part of the deal yeah there's no doubt about it and and the weather shouldn't affect you that much because you're in your office all week anyway for about 18 hours a day so the weather doesn't matter you don't get to enjoy the the sunshine if you're in california anyhow uh but on game day it can affect you a little bit when you're standing around the sideline freezing like i remember one game in pittsburgh when i was with the Bengals. we played on a sunday night game it was it was as cold as i've ever been in my life the wind coming off the the river uh it was it was brutal and it was hard to call plays my teeth were chattering it was it was hard is it hard obviously like to complain about the cold when the players are out there smashing into each other in yeah. the 30 degrees. Yeah. I would, I would pretend like I was talking to my center uh, in between series cause he was standing by the heater and I would go stand by the heater. And- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah uh, that's a good strategic move. Uh, ap- a- absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I do these podcasts. We're talking over zoom, but I'm not recording the video. Nobody needs to see me, uh, but nobody needs to see me, especially today. I'm not a morning person by nature. I've had to become more of one with this job. Today, I'm in particularly dragging. The Monday night situation absolutely just wrecks me. I mean, I didn't even leave the press box till about two or three o'clock in the morning. No, no complaining. I'm just saying that's what happened. Went home or went back to the hotel. Still had to do some work. Got, I think, 90 minutes of sleep. Yesterday's kind of a mess. Now I got to get up today. Does it for you? I'm not talking about for me, but for you as the team, as the coach, how much do these night games throw off your schedule? Because even for the the team today, normally they practice at about eleven, a little before noon. Today they're they're going to be out there around four. Everything gets thrown off a bit. How much does it get screwed up when you have these Monday night uh, kind of games? I hated them. Uh, they're fun to play in because you're on the national stage. That's fun, but hated them because you lose that much sleep. You still have to get up early in the morning to get back at two or three in the morning or whatever it was. And, and then you got to get right back up at five in the morning, get about an hour of sleep and, and you got to get your team ready. You got to utilize that time um, to get ready for Wednesday's practice. You got to find out about the injuries. You got to grade the film. Uh, it's a nightmare. It, it threw me off for a good five, six days. You never, you never catch that. You never catch up on your sleep. And uh, you know, by Thursday or Friday, you're, you're really dragging. You feel the effects of it. Does it make it even harder when the next game is a road game? No, uh, you sleep on a plane at least. Uh, <laughs> make up an hour, so no, uh, maybe for the players, but not for the coaches. It, it just you just lose that sleep and you never regain it. Yeah, no, for uh, for for sure. Um, you mentioned the Monday night uh, juice that kind of comes with with being in that stage. I was fortunate. Uh, the, the media, the print media, is not typically allowed now down on the field pregame the way we were in your era, mostly because of the COVID restrictions and they just kind of left it in place. But I had to do a TV thing um, for this Monday night. So I was able to go on the field and it is, I've been on the field before, but like, it is pretty cool. Like all you know, the, 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 the TV, the Monday night football sets there, there's clearly way more people and you can just feel the energy that comes with this being a night game. What What is that like for you when you're down there? It, it, I assume it's like you said, it's, it's a tangible difference. Uh, being there for that versus your sort of normal Sunday? It is. It is a very big difference, uh, especially for the players. Just the energy. You just feel the buzz in the air. You know what I mean? Um, 
all the lights are on and the people are all out there and it's pretty cool for the players for sure coaches you get a little bit more of uh butterflies in your stomach so to speak uh just a little bit more but every game is, is pretty awesome on on game day but night games monday night games thursday night games those are kind of special just because of uh your only game on and uh there's a lot of buzz in here and now in this one this the, the monday night set Yes, it feels like the last two weeks have been for you, at least in terms of this team. It's like go, ghosts of quarterbacks past. Last week was Kirk Cousins. <laughs> this week, the Monday Night Set has RG3 and Alex Smith, right? I mean, those are essentially your three starting quarterbacks, uh, you know, planned ones at least, <laughs> during your, your time. <laughs> what was that like? What, I don't know if you watched the pregame stuff, but what was that like seeing all those guys? <laughs> Try not to watch ESPN's pregame stuff. It kind of makes me ill. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I didn't watch it, but I hear Robert's doing a good job. I know Alex will do a good job. He's very articulate, very smart, but I just can't watch the whole production of any ESPN show right now. Yeah, I I, I hear. I, I will not. I, I will. I won't. I'll be nice and I want to make you elaborate on that unless you want to. Um, <laughs> um, but what? OK, so well, let's get to the to, to, to the game. You know, when you have that kind of atmosphere, like these are these are pros. These aren't college kids. Right, where maybe you're like overwhelmed by the situation. Obviously, you know Washington's not going to be, uh, you know, whacked out. But uh, but by being in that scene. But nonetheless, you're on the road, the lone against the lone and a undefeated team in the league, um, and hostile crowd. I mean, Philly is legit. You know, it's not like playing at FedEx Field. It's all 100. percent The people there are you know want to see you die, basically. You know, football wise, and um. You know, it, it, you know the the temperatures were getting cold and all that. And I guess the question is always like, and we ask us all the time, how does a team come out mentally? What sometimes you're like, why are they so slow starting? What's going on? And other times they come out and you're like, wow, this team is really engaged and focused. And it seemed to me, even though that first few minutes was terrible with the Taylor Heineke uh, fumble and then Philly scoring quickly, that Washington really showed off the bat that they were engaged with this one mentally could you see it at least from the tv perspective like that this that washington was i don't want to say in it to win it but that there was a maybe a difference mentally with where they were at in this game compared to some of the other ones well you're right the start was a little shaky they go three and out and then get a roughing punter call and then they get a sack fumble and philly goes down and scores uh like you know very easily in my opinion um that really I think tested Washington's character and their uh, ability to refocus and compete. You know, they could have really gone in a tank there on Monday night football, but uh, they dug down deep and got it. I think probably the most important drive of the season was that drive after they gave up that touchdown, gave them all the confidence, gave their defense a little bit of juice uh, and it kept them engaged and kept them in it. And, and they continue to rally and keep that focus. But uh, you're right. After the first four plays on offense, they, they were engaged. They blocked well, they didn't have any huge hits in the running game, but they didn't have any negative plays. They just kept the chains moving and kept Philadelphia off the field. It's interesting. You, you said that was maybe the most uh, important drive that 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 they've had um, this year, and, and like this was such a pivotal game, right? I mean, they're four and five. If, if you get blown out on Monday night, obviously it's going to look bad. And people would then immediately go into the questions of where is this team going? We'll get to the quarterback stuff in a second. Um, but, you know, in terms of this season, you know, they are, you know, if you if you lose, you're not like out of it. But, you know, you're you're back in the pack with a bunch of other, you know, jabronis. And if you win, which which obviously they did, you know, you're right 
you're you're head of the pack. You're one game out of the wild card spot. You're five and five. You're feeling pretty good after a one and four start. And and, and that's what this game was so pivotal. But I obviously I don't think a lot of people thought they would win. Cover, sure. Win, not necessarily. Um, it really was um pretty dramatic. Did you think that they were gonna win? I guess, or did you think that did they have much of a chance to win going into the game? I did. I mean, I, I feel like in the NFL right now, if you can play great defense, you have a chance to win every game. Uh, and I think Washington in the last four or five weeks has played great defense. The front's been extraordinary. And that allows your offense many opportunities to perform as long as you don't turn the ball over and win. Um, so as long as Heineke takes care of the ball and the defense continues to play well, uh, then, yeah, I felt like they could win. I feel like they could win every game. They should uh, feel that way. They're a professional football team. They're one of 32. Uh, they get just as much salary cap as anybody else. They got the head coach that they want. They got the quarterbacks that they want. I mean, they got the defensive line in place. Uh, why shouldn't they compete with everybody? They should. Um, they should. And, and that's the thing, like, because we talk about this all the time and, you know, with the NFL, only one game a week, every game gets overly dissected and therefore the, the ebbs and flows are much more dramatic because it's not like the NBA where, you know, maybe you have a bad game, but the next, but you play immediately the next night and we move past it quickly. Um, and obviously they had just come off blowing a fourth quarter lead to the Vikings. Um, but this one that they, they, they did hold on to, um, you mentioned the defense in the first game, the Eagles scored all their points in the second quarter. Jalen hurts had 340 yards in the air. Uh, they, they were getting burned by the receivers. In this game, though, you know, they really kept Hurts in check on the ground, in the air. Did you notice anything particularly different with what Washington was doing in this game? Or was it just a matter of, you know, execution and they were the, the they were the better team? I think a lot of it had lack of opportunities for Philadelphia. When you keep them on the sideline for as long as you do, as long as Washington did, you limit their opportunities. And, and the opportunities that uh, Philly did have, they threw a bomb that was caught and the guy fumbles it. They... Uh, had a couple unfortunate uh, mishaps in there and a fumble. The face mask on Goddard was a face mask, but he fumbled and uh, they lost possession there. They probably would have scored there. So um, they didn't take advantage of the few opportunities they did have. And they did take away A.J. Brown, which is awesome. Um, they limited uh, Jalen Hurts, like you said, his rushing yards, which is great. I think it's just playing good sound gap football and, and controlling your guy at the line of scrimmage. And that's what Washington can do at their front allows their linebackers to run free. They don't have to play seven, eight-man boxes because their defensive line is so good. Right. It's interesting, right? Washington had runs 81 plays for 330 yards. Philly runs 47 plays for 264 yards. So if you do the math, I'm not smart enough normally, let alone right now on no coffee. Uh, if you do the math on that, like on a per-play basis, Philly does better, but they just don't have the ball because of that. Is that... Boy, I was trying to think of a, of, of a way to say this without being rude, uh, crude. Uh, is this like the dream for a head coach, like to have the ball for 40 minutes? I'm sure you want to be like, you know, you score more points, but to, to keep the team off the field for that long, is, is that uh, just uh, almost like hard to imagine? It's great. It's a great way to play. It's hard to do on a week-in, week-out basis. But the key is Brian Robinson and Gibson not making negative plays. And when they do hand the ball off, even though it might be a three-yard gain, they only average three-point whatever yards to carry, they were getting that uh, on almost every carry. You know, they're so they're stuck in second and seven and second and six where they can still run the ball on second down and, and eat up more clock and get the third and two. And then they did a great job of converting those third and shorts uh, in the game. I think they got the first seven in a row or they might've got nine or 12 total, which was, was unheard of. So uh, the, the positive gains that they got in the running game, 
even though they were minimal, were still positive and it kept uh, the play caller in check. Um, 49 carries is abnormal for anybody. It's the most, according to uh, True Media, it's the most for any Ron Rivera coach team ever. It was uh, one off the most for any team in the league this year. Philly had 50 in week four. Um, that's a commitment to the run that goes beyond the norm. That's always seems to be the one bit is like, it's this notion of like teams don't commit to the run. We heard both teams after the game say Washington stuck to their plan. Obviously it's easier to commit to the run when you're winning, but is, is there something inherently challenging about quote unquote committing to the run? Because I don't know, for whatever the reason, you want to go with more fancier plays or I don't know, something that, that doesn't, that, that coaches can get away from. And, and what did you think of Washington sticking to that plan? I think it's uh, the only plan that will be successful for Washington moving forward. I mean, this is what they have to do, in my opinion. You know, if they're not, if they're going to get up and down quarterback play, uh, then you want to have the pressure off of him where he can hand it off, where he can have call it and run it type runs, which is, is, a lot more comfortable for the quarterback and then get him outside the pocket. Uh, the play passes and the bootlegs will be more effective uh, when you are running the ball, but you do have to commit to it and uh, make life easier for your quarterback. Now you're going to have to eliminate the holding calls and the negative plays, which Washington did, which enabled them to run it 42 times, but you throw a holding call in there, you throw in a loss of two. Now you're going to be running it 30 times or 25 times. And then you get behind and it's going to be 20 times. Everybody's going to say, Hey, how come you're not running it? Well, the situation didn't allow us to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, at least not too hard. Uh, but like going way back, even before the draft or a free agency or anything, to me, it was apparent that they wanted to draft a running back like a Brian Robinson, maybe not him specifically, but that type of guy for this exact reason. Because last year, the best stretch of football they had was that four game winning streak where they controlled the clock, ran the ball kept their own defense off the field, kept them fresh. But this that Antonio Gibson, good player, obviously, but like that's just not his style. He's not the workhorse back that you want to give that much ball to or give the ball to that much in those kinds of grinded out ways. R Rivera pointed out that of the 49 carries, only one lost yards, and that was only a minus one. So they were, like you said, even if they didn't get huge gains, they didn't lose yards. In, in in the process um this was probably i don't know if it was a breakout game for brian robinson because you know the, the yardage wasn't like astronomical but in terms of being that workhorse and he had those really tough uh, runs around the goal line including the one where he got in the end zone what, was this a game for you that maybe you got you got a better feel for what he is and 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 you know what do you think of him yeah i think he was like i said before i think uh a lot of people put too much uh weight on yards gained or big plays and not enough people put enough emphasis on positive runs and that's what brian robinson gives you is the positive runs and anytime you get a run of 3.5 yards or more on a down unless it's third and four of course uh it's a positive play because it keeps the play caller on track he can he can still keep this whole entire playbook open they can run it again um and that's what Brian gives you. He gives you the ability to get to three, four, five yards just about on every play because he's physical inside between the tackles runner. Um, and he'll break some. He'll get some holes in there. He'll pop some for bigger gains. But to protect the football like he does, to get the tough yards like he does, is a very good quality for running back. That's what you want your running backs to do. And obviously you want the breakout speed, which he may not have. But at the end of the day, he's moving the chains and he's a physical guy and protecting the football. 
you you mentioned that for the for this team this is what they need to do and totally uh, uh, agree i mean look i mean we'll get the heineke in a second but you know he's not a quarterback you want to like build your game plan around or have the ball you know have him have to make all the plays because it's so up and so up and down um and, and this is what they need to do did you notice anything though as best you could tell watching it from in terms of the running scheme and the up and the plan that was interesting for you about how they were deploying the run because if you're going to run 49 times you can't do the exact same thing uh, you got to change it up did you notice anything you, interesting about what they were doing and how they were well, running the ball i think anything was too complicated i think they had some different personnel sets which kept philadelphia a little bit off balance maybe some more two tight end sets and um and then not just 11 personnel but 12 personnel and some different personnel groupings but for the most part the runs were the runs they pulled the guard and tackle a couple times for some counters and they ran between the tackles. They ran some power plays. Uh, mostly it was uh, inside zone and just right trying to push Philadelphia around. I think the loss of uh, the big tackle from Georgia, Jordan, what, whatever his name is. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis hurt him a little bit. Uh, they're a little bit light on the interior. Philadelphia is at this time without him. And I think the game plan was clear. And has pushed him around and played more physical than them. And, uh, and, and that's what they did. Uh, in between the runs, I mean, Heineke, you know, the, the final stats won't allow anybody. 211 yards, throws, um, you know, no touchdown passes. Uh, but he made, you know, they, they were able to keep moving the chains. They were initially nine for 12 on third down. A lot of those were passes uh, to Terry McLaurin. I kind I, of I, I making this joke the last 24 hours that watching Heineke play quarterback, it's like got to be like a parent seeing their kid play in traffic. You keep telling them not to, but they play in traffic. They even run like under an 18 wheeler and somehow they come out the other side, not just healthy, but like with a pot of gold. Like, I don't know how they do it. I don't know what is going on sometimes, but he seems to be able to figure stuff out. Like, I mean, as you're, <laughs> what are you thinking? Can you, how, how would your hair be like completely gray? If Dave Heineke was your guy, I say that uh, affectionately. I, I've never seen my kids play in traffic though. That would freak, freak me out a little bit. But uh, you know what? He, he is what he is. I mean, he's a quarterback. He's uh, he's getting a little bit older. He's never really had an opportunity to make these plays and play other than last year and this year. And he's having a good time doing it. You can tell he just loves playing, having fun playing. And he's a little reckless. He's not the most armed, talented guy in the world. But uh, players respond to him. The players play hard for him. And, and he makes plays in critical times. Uh, it's really hard to explain. Is he the guy you want when you're playing a good team in the playoffs on the road? You know, I, I think eventually you're going to have to find a quarterback that can actually help you win a game, not just lose a game uh, and make some unbelievable plays. But he is got them in position at 500. Now the team's rallied around him. They have a stretch of games here. They should win against Atlanta and Houston and, and they should be able to beat the giants in my opinion. Um, so they got a lot of football ahead of them um, to get themselves in position to make a run. I mean, and he's great reason for it. It's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you always talked about like Colt McCoy was like sort of the guy for you. Like the rest of the world maybe didn't see it, but for you, he was the guy that executed your vision, your plan. You thought you saw something there that maybe others didn't. Clearly, Scott Turner feels the same way about Heineke. And it does feel like the biggest advantage that Heineke has right now over Carson Wentz is the ability to run the scheme the way the coach wants it to be done. He Maybe he's not the flashiest guy, doesn't have the arm strength, like you said, but he knows where the ball needs to go, and his smarts out there help move the chains along. That's going to be one of the really interesting things with this decision that Rivera's going to have to make soon. But is that a fair – I mean, ultimately, is that is that kind of what it is? Whatever he may lack, his smarts of, of knowing what to do really kind of helps make up for the deficiencies. 
yeah, I think Carson's plenty smart enough, as smart as uh, Heineke. I think easily Carson Wentz could hand the ball off 48 times. He could execute <laughs> that Washington did against Philadelphia and, and get that victory. You know, the key is, the question is, is, is where's the team at um, emotionally and uh, who's the leader? Um, you want to play the guy that has the team. Um, maybe they both do. Maybe uh, the team respects both of them. I'm sure they do. But sometimes you just have that feeling that the team responds more to this guy as opposed to that guy if it's close. Uh, if I think you got to play the guy that uh, is more of the leader and uh, the players want to play for. I mean, I know you're not in the locker room, but like, what would you do? Like, so right now as we're talking, um, the uh, Carson Wentz is eligible to come off IR. Ron Rivera said yesterday he still has to hear from the medical staff whether that's what they're going to do, whether that's at, whether that's true or he's just dodging the question for now because he doesn't want to have to answer it and it is a shorter week and whatever. Um, but what would you? do because you pick oh, it, it, not, first off you do have to wait for the medical you got to see him throw the ball he's got to rip it. i'm sure he's been ripping it in practice and if you feel like he's got the same zip uh that he had before the injury then yeah i think that's when the decision comes in if he doesn't have it yet then there's no decision to be had you go with heineke and you can use that finger as a hey give me another week let's see what this heineke guy keeps on doing but if he's 100 percent healthy um I probably would stick with Heineke just because you've made a run here. He got back to 500. He's playing pretty good football. He's not lighting the world up from a statistical standpoint, but he's doing what is necessary to win games. And that's important. That's what the goal of uh, your quarterback, that's the goal of your football team is to win games. It doesn't matter how pretty they are, how many yards he throws for, but to just continue to win games. And I think he's four and one now as a starter or three and one. Um, hard to argue with his success. Yeah, for sure. So, so here's the way that the, those of us on the outside view this. Rivera makes the huge commitment to get Wentz, make the trade, take on the money, all that. And it's not just about this year. It's about the longer term. Can they find a guy so they don't have to every year look for another quarterback, find somebody that's going to last longer? It seems apparent that Rivera's already made the decision that Heineke is not the answer long term, and that seems like a reasonable take. He's a totally good guy to use when you need him, but like, not the guy you want to plan for for a full season, right? Wentz might be that, but he hasn't quite shown it yet. So this isn't, from the outside perspective, this isn't just about beating the Texans or beating the Falcons the next week. It's setting yourself up for the longer term. And if you don't go to back to Carson Wentz, you seem to be acknowledging this isn't where we want to go. And beyond the fact of where Carson Wentz is meant out, uh, where that does for his mental uh, well-being, considering his recent past, is is that anything remotely that an NFL head coach is thinking about, or is this just fan fiction or, or what reporters think about on the outside? I think it is for sure. You have to think about the future a little bit. I mean, um, you did go out and get Carson Wentz and give up some things for him, uh, but you've had enough time, in my opinion, to see, is this guy going to take us where we need to go? Is this the quarterback we want? If they feel like Carson showed enough in the early part of that season uh, with his arm talent and his uh, strength in the pocket and his knowledge of the game and his on the offense uh, that he's the guy that can uh, push them in the right direction, then yeah, they got to go back to Wentz without a doubt. If there's any doubt, they're like, yeah, maybe this guy's not as good as we thought. Uh, here comes Heineke rallying the troops. Then you got to stick with Heineke. I think that's, that's the decision where it comes down to, do they feel like Carson Wentz is the guy that they got and they anticipated him taking the team to the next level? Then you got to go with Wentz. All right, let me ask you it from this perspective. I imagine anybody, any talent evaluator would say, all things being equal, we would rather have Carson Wentz as our quarterback because he gives us more upside because of his arm yep. strength and size and all that. 
And normally you're going to need that potential in a con in the conference because there's always two to three to four to five true alpha teams that you have to compete against to just try to win. I don't think that's the case this year. At least it's not right now, right? I mean, Tampa Bay, obviously you still have Brady, but they haven't looked particularly sharp. Green wow. Bay had a big win this week against Dallas, but otherwise they've been really bad and Washington just beat them. I know Minnesota keeps rolling and uh, a very impressive win uh, against Buffalo. But, you know, I mean, Washington just they had a 10-point lead against them in the fourth quarter. I guess my thinking is if you're, as you just said, if you have a really good defense, you can compete. Does that change the equation? Because if Heineke is showing that he can at least stay in these games and you have, you know, you have Terry McLaurin, who's become a true alpha at receiver, right? You're now showing you have this uh, improved run game. The offensive line seems a little steadier. The defense is getting better and better. Maybe even Chase Young is back soon. Does that make you think, hey, wait a minute, maybe we actually could, where we are, actually win, compete with Heineke in the playoffs, and therefore, screw it, let's just stay with the guy that's winning? Well, I think the question is, in the game plan that you had against Philadelphia, uh, obviously that's a great recipe for success and very easy for the quarterback to execute. Not easy, it's none, none of it's easy. The question is, is if you get down a couple scores, uh, you get down by 10 points, uh, you have some third down and longs that are known passing situations, which quarterback do you want in there? Because that's going to happen. You're not going to have the luxury of being in third and two and third and one every time and have the lead like you did against Philadelphia. And, uh, you're going to be down. You're going to be in third down and 12. Uh, you're going to be in some two-minute crucial, crucial situations to try to get some points. Which quarterback do you think can execute that plan is the one that you want playing. And, and uh, maybe they still think that's Heineke. Uh, but I would like to think that Wentz was brought here for those types of situations. Um, it'd be a great decision. It'd be a tough decision. I, I, I you know, wouldn't, don't have a problem going with either one of them, quite frankly. Well, we'll see. My guess is Rivera does nothing this week. Like you said, uses the finger as an excuse and punts it. And plus, like they're going to play a one-win Houston team, right? I mean, if yeah. Heineke, you know, if he loses that one, it's, it's a much easier call to go to the other guy. And if they win, then, yeah, like you say, you lean into the momentum. Um, just lastly, the defense. We talk about the defensive line all the time. The back seven, particularly the secondary, you know, was getting beat by a lot of big plays earlier in the year. Now they're the ones making the big plays. We saw in this game, Derek Forrest, Benjamin St. Juice in particular, uh, just kind of really aggressive. You know, they they, they help they you know help commit the four turnovers uh, for the Eagles to commit the four turnovers, um, etc. Are you no, and it also just feels like there's an attitude change, like that these guys back there are like letting the other team know, hey, if you want to, you know, whatever we do, we're gonna be there, we're gonna be you know in your face or blah blah blah. Are you do you notice like these younger defensive backs are starting to make a, an impact uh, oh, for, for sure. these guys? The confidence they have right now is really high. And I think uh, the defensive line helps provide defensive backs with a lot of confidence and vice versa. Defensive linemen will rush a lot harder when they know the defensive backs are going to be covered and, and the defensive backs will play a lot more aggressive when they know the defensive line is going to get home quicker. So it's a great marriage right now. Allen Payne and Sweat and, and the other pass rushers are doing a good job of getting home and uh, forcing the quarterback into tough throws and early throws, not able to hold the ball for three, four, five seconds. I think the ball's got to come out, and I think the defensive backs are playing into that. They're playing more aggressive. Uh, they're tackling well. Uh, they're forcing turnovers. And uh, right now, they're playing extremely well. It, it, it's so wild to me sometimes. Like, sometimes players have just, a, you know, obvious talent and are difference makers. And other times, it's like you just have to find the right guy for what you're trying to do versus necessarily the bigger upside or better talent. And sometimes fit is everything. And right now, it feels like the group they have is fitting a lot better than obviously it did 
with William Jackson and some others. And I, I, I don't know if that drives you crazy when you when you were coaching in terms of like, <laughs> I just need the guy. I, I just need a guy who does what I want him to do, basically, rather than he maybe runs a four three forty or you know whatever. Uh, I, I mean, is it? I don't know if it's needle in the haystack, but it's got to be frustrating trying to find a guy who can do what you want to do and have those pieces all fit. Yeah, uh, yeah, stuff. I'm not saying uh, Williams is not very bright mentally. I just I think that's why it's important to go out and find smart football players. Uh, smart, obviously, you want them some athleticism, but you got to be able to execute plans and play different coverages and uh, understand motions, change of strengths, motions. And you might play a coverage versus three by one as opposed to two by two. It might be different. Uh, the blitz might go from right right side to the left side based on formation or motion. Uh, you got to be able to handle a lot of different. Uh, coverages and you got to be smart to do that linebackers defensive backs defensive linemen uh, and same with offense obviously so um, and a lot of times people just don't fit in certain schemes for whatever reason or with the players around them Um, so yeah it's just hard to find the right fit uh, with all 22 guys at the same time 11 on offense 11 on even your special teamers Um, but once you do find the right guys and they start playing the way you want them to that's when you have something special brewing absolutely all right, well, look, I know you got something special brewing. If I, I'm assuming you're going to a golf course today. I didn't even ask, but I'm presuming. Yep. Uh, Here right now, they're waiting on me on the tee box, but uh, they can uh, wait a few more seconds for this beating they're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> are you the, are you the uh, alpha in your foursome today? Is that, is that like the definitive? You know, that's just the way it is. You know, I just give me my six or seven pops and I will beat you. <laughs> All right, well, we'll look. We'll look forward to that. Unfortunately, we won't have a camera there monitoring that, or probably really good for you that we won't. Uh, but you'll you'll give us the update next week. Uh, Jay, I appreciate the time. Good luck out there on the links. And uh, I'd say stay warm, but you will. I'm the one who will struggle with that today. So wish right, me man. luck. Thanks. Yeah. Stay back.